In the following live session recording, Lee Taylor, Minister of Outreach, Johnson Ferry Baptist Church, Marietta, Georgia, talks about gospel conversations training. Learn how to train your church members in an evangelism method that is as simple as meeting others in the normal rhythms of life and pointing them to Christ in an encouraging and inviting way. It is called Gospel Conversations. You'll hear how Johnson Ferry Church has ramped up evangelism and how your church can too. This session equips listeners to teach your church members how to transition everyday conversations to gospel conversations. Let's join Lee now. Everybody have one of these? Okay, make sure I'll give you some passive back there and something to write with. And I need you to find a partner. This is gonna be a team effort today. Just like we like to team up with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so if you'll go ahead and make arrangements, it can be in two or threes, no more than three, but this is gonna be a lot more fun if you had a partner rather than just listening to me the whole time. And then, got a pen? So, right with. All right. So I met some of you and, and uh, I know some of you are the only staff at your church. And um, I, I just want you to imagine if everybody in your church this week in the next seven days was able to have just one gospel conversation. How would that impact your church? And then if they were able to see other opportunities in the next month, how would that change not only your church, but how would that change your community? And, um, and I think of disciple making, and uh, I think Ken Adams, who's at Noonan, uh, Georgia, said this, that disciple making is really two oars. One oar is evangelism, the other oar is discipleship. Right. And so to kind of get to the disciple making process, we've got to teach our church how to have gospel conversations to get to the disciple making process. And so what I'm going to share with you today is simply something that we've been learning from other churches, other ministries over the past couple of years. We've tweaked it. Feel free to tweak it, make it uh, your own and, and contextualize it for your area. Um, but whatever I write on this board, I want you to write on that piece of paper. So you got I want you to fold it in half if you haven't figured that out yet. I like making a little booklet. And uh, we call this 411. We're going to answer four questions on one piece of paper in roughly one hour. One hour-ish. And, um, and so uh, what I want to do is, and the idea is that you'll have this tool that then you can turn around and teach somebody else how to do this, right? So I want to give you something that's practical that you can, tonight when you go to dinner, you can show this to somebody else and teach them how to do it. When you go home, you can show your family and, uh, and church members and, and leaders and, uh, and just, again, replicate this over and over again. So uh, the first question about gospel conversations is why? Why should we be having gospel conversations? And I want you to look up Matthew 28, 18 through 20, even if you know it. Go ahead and look it up anyways. I want you to read it to your partner, out loud to your partner. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You can write that at the top of that white piece of paper as well. As soon as you find it, start reading. 
talking in these verses? Jesus. Jesus. All right, right, Jesus. Jesus is the right answer. <laughs> and what is Jesus essentially saying? Go. go. All right, right, go. And do what? Make disciples. Make disciples. All right. Write that up there. So this is the Great Commission. I've never heard of the average commission or the okay commission. I've only heard about the great one. Maybe that's why. But it's important, right? So if, if anybody says, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, I want to be a follower, then their job description is right here. To go and make disciples. And it's not reserved for the pastor, not reserved for the super elite Delta Force Christian BBS leaders. That is for everyone who's a follower of Jesus. And so we want to help through this tool and through your encouragement and leadership. We want to help your church members see opportunities to have gospel conversations wherever they go. And so part of having gospel conversations is helping them see this as part of their identity. Now we're going to look up 2 Corinthians 17-21. So if you were the listener, now you're the reader in the, in the partner group. So I want you to look up 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17-21. Alright, so here is Paul talking to early Christians or new Christians in the city of Corinth. If you know anything about Corinth, it's like Las Vegas on steroids. It's, it is, uh, sin is abounding. So I can only imagine trying to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus in this culture. And part of his encouragement or correction, depending on how you look at it, is he tells them that there are two things in these verses. In Christ, you're two things. What's the first thing he tells them? You're new. All right, so write new. And I want you to write a little stick figure and give them like a new car smell. All right. So in Christ, we're new. Our old is in the past. Our reputation is in the past. And in Christ, we're a new creation. What's the second thing? What verse is that? 17? All right. What's the second thing he tells us? Ambassadors. Or ambassadors. I can draw a little globe if you want. I always draw a weird and looks like the basketball, but you get the point. What verse is that? Verse 20. So we're an ambassador. If you are the ambassador for the United States to China or Denmark, uh, where where are you going to set up your office? There's where? In, in China, right? Mm -hmm. It would be silly for the ambassador to set up his office in the White House and wait for the people of China to come to the White House before he represents mm. the president or she represents the president, right? Well, what are some of the things that the ambassador is going to do? What's at the top of your list? What's on your to-do list if you're going to be an ambassador in a foreign country? Yeah, how are you going to tell them that? What are, you got to learn their language, right? Probably gonna learn Chinese. Probably wouldn't do any good to study Spanish. You're gonna learn the culture. 
You're going to learn the customs, what's appropriate, how to greet one another, right? Because you want to represent the president well. And Paul is saying, in Christ, we are now ambassadors, and we've been given the task of not representing the president of the United States, but the king of kings. It would be silly for us to sit in our churches and wait for the people outside to come into the building before we start representing Jesus. We've got to go out to where they are, and we've got to learn their language, their culture, their customs, so that we can represent well. And so that is, again, this is our identity as a follower of Jesus. This is everyone in your church this Sunday morning that is claiming to be a follower of Jesus. So whether you're an insurance salesman, if you're a teacher, a stay-at-home parent, a student, retired, whatever it is, you're now an ambassador of that area. You're now the ambassador of your cul-de-sac. You're now the ambassador of the golf course or the gym or the band. You see where I'm going with that? We've got to help them see that is their role. And then maybe they'll come into the building. But we can't wait for them to get in the building before we start doing this. All right. So turn your page and let's go to number two. And what's the next question? What? Yeah, what's the next question? Yeah. Yeah. A little gossip conversation humor. All right. <laughs> number two. What? Well, what do I say, Lee? To have a gospel conversation. Well, obviously we want to get to the gospel at some point. But I want to teach you three tools, and I don't want you to think about them in linear fashion, like I do one, then two, then three. I want you to think about that I'm giving you three tools for your tool belt. One's a hammer, one's a drill, one's a saw. And depending on who you're talking to, depends on how you're going to use them. All right? So the first tool that we like to use, we call care through prayer. And that's simply looking for everyday opportunities to ask some money, how can I pray for you? This is, I, I'm just telling you, I've been doing vocational ministry for over 20 years, and this has changed my life in the past two years. This is a powerful question. And I think we don't ask it because we think people are gonna get upset or mad or some kind of fear factor. But I'm just telling you, in the past two years, I used to think about eight out of 10, when I asked people this question, about eight out of 10 would say, yes, you can pray for this, this, and this. But now I'm convinced it's about nine out of 10. And the no's are the nicest no's you're ever gonna get. I have yet to have anybody upset with me or angry at me that I offer to pray for them. And I've had some no's. And when they say no, you say, great, have a nice day. And that's that. But when they say yes, then I want you to help your people understand you have just invited the Holy Spirit into your day. You've just invited God into your everyday, ordinary conversation. 
And you get to see God active and alive in your Monday through Friday, not just in our church-sanctioned ministry opportunities. So, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. I want you to find somebody that you're not sitting next to. I want you to introduce yourself and just ask them, how can I pray for you? And then I want you to respond with a serious answer. Like, don't make something up like my dog died. Unless your dog did die. And then we'll pray for that. Then just pray just for that thing. And then I want you to switch and pray. And so take turns praying for each other. All right, ready? Go. Some good praying going on. Now, anybody get mad at you? So, well, of course not. Yeah, I'm, at a, I'm at a church conference. I'm just telling you, if you can just run, do this with your church leaders. Your next deacon meeting, just tell everybody, get up and pray for somebody. At your next leader meeting, at your next Sunday school teacher meeting, whatever. Whatever you got. Just get them used to that idea, right? And it's nervous just walking across the room to talk to some deacon I don't know sometimes, right? But you, you start doing that more and more where they start to expect that, then you, you re, they help them see how normal and natural this can be. Now, I say this because it, uh, it provides opportunities all over the place. So you just start seeing and God starts showing you people in your everyday life that I would normally just walk by or normally I would interact with but not think anything about. You know, so you've got, you've got waiters and waitresses that are serving you food. They bring you food and they say, is there anything else? So we'll, oftentimes, not every time, you know, if they're trying to bust 20 tables and the hair's on fire, and I'll say, hey, sit down, let me, you know. Well, I'll say, hey, you know, we're getting ready to pray for our food. In fact, we're just wondering if there's anything we pray for for you. We've had some great conversations, you know, and some of them are short, like just, just good health. Great. For that. Others are like, yes, let's do this. You know, they're grabbing our hands, you know, and I had a fellow that got California pizza kitchen and uh, said, Paul, is there anything we pray for? And he said, no, I took off. And this is another thing. So we are, we've got three kids in high school and elementary school. And this is a great way just to model for them. just like everyday opportunities, right? So they're sitting around, we're all eating pizza and Paul kind of darts off. And they look at Dad like, well, what are you going to do now, Dad? You know? I said, well, the secret is we still are going to pray for Paul. Pray for our food, pray for Paul. Paul comes back about five minutes later, and he kind of comes to my side and just kind of bends down a little bit. He goes, hey, I just want to apologize. I hope I didn't offend you. I was like, you didn't offend me. And he's like, you just kind of caught me off guard because nobody's ever asked me that. Before. Right, right, right. So this is the restaurant right across the street from our church. So now I do it everywhere, you know, just, and he, again, don't be obnoxious. Don't be the, that weird guy, but just, just pray, you know, and uh, we'll get to some other reminders, but just as you're, I, I just got convicted. I don't pray for gospel conversations. So if I'm not praying for them, why should I be expecting them? Or be upset when they don't happen. But then God just kind of shows, you know, so I'm getting my oil change. And there's five guys in the pit. And, woo, woo, you know, everything's going on. And, but you're sitting there in the car. And this guy, I remember his name was Sean White. This is the snowboarder. And he looks nothing like the snowboarder. 
And, you know, you've been working hard, it's hot, and it's been spending like half hour, it's just be a quick move, and it's end up being a 30 minute thing. And just say, hey, Sean, how can I pray for you? Thanks so much, you know, thank you so much for taking care of my car or my wife's car. How can I pray for you? And he kind of thought for a second, he goes, oh, my wife's pregnant. It's our first baby. But yeah, let me pray for you. Come back a couple months later with my wife's car. Hey, Sean, how can I pray for you? Well, I remember you for the last time. And my wife was pregnant, and now we have a two-month-old. And that's how you can pray for me right now, is that we have a two-month-old. You know? I'm like, yeah. I'm going to share with you later kind of where that, where that went. You know, exterminator comes to our house. He spends 45 minutes. He's got the holster with, like, two exterminator guns. You know, I thought of John Goodman from Arachnophobia, but... Um, and he's passionate about pest control. And he comes out of the house, and my son's shooting hoops in the driveway, and just said, Steve, you know, thanks for taking care of our house and just really making my wife feel better. And hey, is there anything I pray for before you, before you go? He says, Well, my, uh, my wife left me and the kids a year ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm still kind of trying to figure it out. So, yeah. Mac, my son. Mac, come here. Let's pray for Steve. I'm just telling you, it just shows me the brokenness and the hurts that is all around us that we'll just go about our nice day doing really important, good ministry stuff all day long and miss out on what I think is real ministry that God has waiting for us if we're seeking it out and trying to be a little bit intentional and just take a little step of faith and ask these questions. And I just think about that story about Jesus healing the woman with the blood issue. Like he's on his way to go raise a child from the dead. What's more important than that? And yet he stopped on the way to that to minister to this woman. And that's just been a real kind of burning kind of lesson in my life of just whatever I think is really important ain't really that important. And if we can just teach our folks just to see people in everyday lives. So, you know, wherever you're at, let's just let's be asking that question. The second tool is what we call a 15 second testimony. And really what we're trying to do is get from your story to God's story. And so think about your story, your life. Think about your life before you trusted Jesus. This little intro I'm going to share with you in a second. <clears throat> your life after you trusted Jesus. And then you're going to follow up with a, a great question. So the intro that I'll use sometimes is there was a time in my life. So look at your partner and say, there's a time in my life. There's a time in my life. I know you get this question a lot. Yeah. What I'm about to say. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to throw it out there. For those that were saved young and grew up in church. Yeah. Right. I'm going to get to I'll, that. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> I want you to think of two words that describe your life before you trusted Christ. I'll just, so my 15-second testimony looks like this. There's a, Al, there's a time in my life. When I was religious and a rule follower, and then I realized that Jesus forgave me, and because of that, it made me want to follow him in a whole new way. 
and now my life has meaning and I feel like I have a relationship. Do you have a story like that? Okay. So my first two words was rule follower and religious. Now I trusted Christ when I was eight years old after a new head coach at Florida State named Bobby Bowden shared his testimony at our age. That's about as bad as it gets. <laughs> hey, Paul, did you hear that you don't watch? So, but what I want people to understand is I was going to church my whole life up until then, and I thought being a Christian was just doing church, right? Following the rules, trying to be more good than bad. Being, I was very religious. I was, I was great at going to church. All right? So think about two words that might describe your life. Don't stress over these two words. They may change over time. Some of y'all are kind of OCD about this stuff, but just it, it, it may change depending on who you're talking to and the context and whatever, and, and mine have changed over time. And then I'm just thinking two words that describe kind of the moment when you realized that you're putting your trust or your authority in Jesus for good. So I know some people have more of a process. Some have a definitive lightning bolt kind of moment. But what I don't want to see is then I started going to church. Then I started reading the Bible. I want people to understand like I was forgiven and now I'm following. So you don't have to use those words, but just kind of help them understand, help the person you're talking to understand there's, I like to say a transaction took place. All right, practice with your partner right up to this section right here. So there's a time in my life when I was blank and blank, but then I realized blank and blank about Jesus. Alright, so this is your 15 second testimony, so this should be about 8 seconds long, Yeah. not 8 minutes long, right? So you're not trying to tell your whole story, you're not trying, this isn't the A&E biography special about your life, this is just a quick way to get from your story to God's story. Alright, think about two words that will describe your life now that you have trusted Christ now that you have given him full authority now that he is king of your life what does that look like now shout out give me some words on the, on the before end that you guys used unworthy unworthy prideful yeah yeah confused yep okay Chaos. No good. Sherwin likes to say no good a lot. Uh, what are some words that you use to help them understand kind of the relationship with Jesus? Purpose. Purpose. Clean. Peace. Peace. Connected. Connected. All right. And then these last two describe life now. So throw out some words that come to mind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you for your answer. I appreciate that. You may want to amend that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Passion. 
Passion. Trust. Yeah. Yes. So I think I said I have you know meaning, the purpose, and a relationship. And it doesn't it doesn't always have to be this way, but for me, relationship is kind of the opposite of being religious. Yes. Right? So I kind of want them to see the before and after that took place. All right, so write down your two words that describe your life after you trusted Jesus. And then this is the best question ever. Do you have a story like that? You don't have to say it just like that. You can phrase it a lot of different ways. Uh, but if I'm hanging out with Paul and I share my story, I say, Paul, do you have a story like that? Or where would you say you are in your faith journey? Or how would you describe your faith these days? You, know, you can say a lot of different ways, but, but I want to ask you a question up here. How can I pray for you? And then I'm asking you another question here. Do you have a story like that? Does that connect with you at all? And then you listen. Right? So this is the gospel conversations workshop, not the gospel presentation workshop. All right? So the conversation piece is, uh, hey, how can I pray for you, Scott? And then I stop talking, which is hard for a lot of us. And it's awkward. All right? So just hashtag embrace the awkward uh, sometimes and just allow them to think about it. Again, maybe the first time somebody's asked them in a long time. And I'll teach you one of the ways that I transition from how can I pray for you to my testimony is let's just say I pray for Scott and pray for his, his cat that's in a wheelchair and we're just going to pray for that cat. And so, Heavenly Father, just pray for that cat. In Jesus' name, amen. Scott will say, usually, thank you, appreciate that. And I'll say, hey, you know, Scott, one of the reasons I like praying for people is because there's a time in my life when I thought it was all about being a rule follower or being religious. I thought being a Christian meant following the rules or being super religious or just being really, 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 really good. But then I realized, and now my life is, hey, Scott, you have a story like that? Uh, no. Or, yeah. Kind of. I mean, I used to go to church, but I haven't been since college. Or they might say, yeah. In fact, I trusted Christ 10 years ago. I've been growing my relationship ever since, and I walk with him. We're super involved at church. And you're like, oh, man, he's a Christian. You know? No, you're like, yeah, all right. Woo-hoo. And I've just encouraged another believer. Yes. Right? So you have no idea... What God is doing before you ask this question, and you have no idea what He's doing after you ask this question, and God may want to use you to encourage somebody. And then I could say, Scott, hey, if you have time sometime, I'll just show you something that we're working on at our church. And you can just show Scott, the other believer, how to have gospel conversations, right? Okay? So I asked a guy the other day, and how can I pray for you? Yep, okay, good. And I said, hey, do you have a story like that? He's like, yeah, I do. So I'm a believer, and I love Jesus. And you start crying. He said, but the fact that you want to pray for me is just kind of overwhelming right now. 
And I'm just telling you folks, like, it's not because Lee's super good at praying. It's because the Holy Spirit is doing something in, in that person's life, right? So we are not the ones that make the seeds grow. We are the ones that are in charge of throwing the gospel seeds, right? So what I love about that parable, dry soil, thorny soil, rocky soil, good soil, where did the seed thrower throw the seed? Everywhere. That person didn't say, well, you know, it's rocky, so I'm not going to throw any over there. Or it's thorny, I'm not going to, it's going to get choked out. I'm not going to waste that seed. They're just chucking it everywhere. Because they realize my job is not to grow the seed. My job is to throw the seed. And we've got to just teach our people, like, you just keep chucking. There's grass growing up in cracks of my sidewalk right now. Not because I watered it or maintained it or did anything to do it. It's just growing. And I have no control over that. All right, sorry, I got preaching there. All right, so, you have a story like that. Uh, well, kind of, maybe, yeah, sort of. I don't know. Just let them. They're, I'm telling you, like, for a lot of people, They've not put words to their faith in a very long time, if they have a faith. So just be patient. It's not going to sound like the Sunday school answer that you're looking for. It's not going to look like whatever's in the diagram in your evangelism book. It's just going to be raw and real. And you just be okay with it. Okay. Great. Whatever they say. Great. Sounds okay. Hmm. Interesting. Well, hey, can I show you something that somebody drew for me that when I looked at it, it just kind of made more sense of my faith? My faith. Sure. And, and I, it's, it's, it's semantics, but it's, it's really good semantics. It's not, hey, can I draw something for you that I think you should believe? Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe that. But can I just draw something for you that helps explain the way that I look at my faith? Right? Can't argue that. This is my faith. And again, I had zero antagonistic people argue. They may not agree at the end, but it's just a it's a conversation, right? We're having a conversation. And the fact that you've prayed for somebody and cared for them. And again, the Holy Spirit, I mean, just walls have, have come down more times than not. And I'm way more open to hearing what Al has to say after he prayed for my grandchildren than I was about five minutes ago. Right? Sometimes it stops right here. Sometimes it's as far as you get. And people move on, and you move on, and that was it. Sometimes you might get to here. But what I'd love for you is to get to the gospel. So I'm going I'm to draw for you three circles. It's just a gospel tool. If you like drawing the bridge, if you like using the colored beads, if you like doing four spiritual laws, fantastic. Please use that. Whatever you're comfortable with sharing the gospel, just share the gospel. But I'm going to draw for you uh, three circles. I'm going to erase a little bit of this. Can I do that? Everybody good? Yeah, good. Some more room. And so, if I have a napkin, I'll draw a napkin. If I have a piece of paper, I'll draw a piece of paper. If I don't have anything to draw on, I'll just talk it through. Because I've got this image already in my head, right? Buddy of mine works at a golf course, and he was trying to explain it to the grounds grounds crew, and so he just drew it in the sand pit, sand trap. 
So I thought it was awesome. All right. So I'll say, hey, Scott, you know, you can look at this world today and just see that there's all kinds of brokenness. I mean, we got famine and war, terrorism. Our kids are growing up in the school shooting generation. There's just all kinds of brokenness all around us. But that wasn't always the case. In fact, when God created the earth, he created in his perfect design. His design was perfect. Our relationship with God was perfect. Our relationship with each other was perfect. But at a certain point, all of us, since the very first people decided that we were going to kind of run from God's design for our life. We started going after our own design, our own plan for life, or for marriage, or for relationships, or for money, or for sex, or for whatever it is. And when we run outside of God's design for our life, that's called sin. When we get outside of God's design, that's called sin. And that's what's led us to our brokenness. So here we are. And now we're just trying to figure out how do I deal with this brokenness? Or how do I numb the brokenness? Or fix it? And so a lot of us think, well, you know, if I just made more money, that'd fix my brokenness. Or if I just had a different job. Or if I had a job. If I was in a different relationship with somebody else. I see this a lot in church. You know, if I just go to church a lot, maybe that'll fix my brokenness. Or if I just do a lot of good deeds, that'll fix my brokenness. But all these things are things that we're trying to do ourselves. And although some of these things are good things, over time they just snap us right back into our brokenness because we can't fix this issue ourselves. Well, the good news is, is that the Bible tells us that God sent a rescue plan. And that rescue plan is Jesus. And Jesus came down and lived a perfect life on earth for over 30 years. And because of that, he died on the cross and he took on my sin. And he took on my brokenness. He took on your sin. And he took on your brokenness so that when he died on the cross, but he rose again, and he rose again on the third day, he conquered sin and death and brokenness, which allows us to get back into God's design for our life. Get us back into a relationship with God. So now we have a choice. We can say, you know what, I'm going to stay right here, keep doing my own thing, my own design. Or we can say, you know what, I want to turn and trust Jesus. I want to turn and trust in Jesus for what he did. But it's more than just believing that there's a Jesus. It's saying, I want Jesus to be the king of my life. I want to be the king of all these things that I'm holding on to. And the Bible says that when we do that, that we're made new in Christ, in Jesus. So Scott, I'm going to ask him three questions. So Scott, when you look at this picture, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself more in brokenness? Or through Jesus as your king, do you see yourself more in God's design for your life? Now, Scott may say, um, I'm in brokenness. Okay? He may say, I'm in God's design. Had somebody uh, say, I'm right here. So, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, like, I'm not perfect, but I haven't killed anybody. Okay? <laughs> Great. Another lady, 
She put a marker right here. She goes, I think I'm right here. I said, okay, well, what does that mean? She goes, well, I, I know I'm in brokenness, but I think I'm ready to do something about it. Hmm. So, but a buddy of mine, long story, but my wife bought me stand-up comedy lessons at the Punchline in downtown Atlanta two years ago. Spent every Monday night for three hours with about 20 people from Atlanta, all walks of life. Literally. It's the best three hours on a Monday night you can ever spend. We're all just laughing at each other for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> and there was Larry the firefighter. That's how he wanted to be known. Larry the firefighter. Larry, super nice guy, but he told the dirtiest jokes. Every week he told the dirtiest jokes to the point where the, even the instructor's like, no, you can't say that. Even at the punchline, you can't say that. You know, kind of but I was just praying over the six weeks of, Lord, let me, I'd love to have a gospel conversation with anybody in this class. And just in different breaks and different, you know, restroom breaks and that kind of stuff, just got to know people and part of your act and kind of just tell about yourself and talk about yourself and got to, got to share with them. But at the very last week, Larry comes up to me and he's like, hey, and part of my act, I talk about being a minister. It's like, so you're a minister at a church? Yeah. What do, you, what do you do at that church? Well, let me show you something that I'm working on uh, just this week. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Okay. Walking through. Larry, where do you see yourself? Oh, I'm right here. Did you, did you see this, this section over here? Did you, uh, you know. I said, okay, well, why do you say that? I said, well, I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy. I just want to make people laugh. I don't bully anybody. Okay. Well, remember when we talked about our brokenness and Jesus as your king? Yeah. Have you done that yet? No. And I said, well... There was a time in my life when I thought I was right. Okay, so my tools went backwards with Larry. So I started with three circles, then I went to my 15 second testimony, and then I ended up praying for him at the end. But I said, hey, I thought I was right there too. I mean, I was more religious than you. I was out good-er than you. But I realized I knew this. So my first question is, where do you see yourself? Okay. And let them talk. Just use this as a tool. Let them try again. Try and put into words or pictures kind of where they think they are. If they point over here and say, all right, over here, don't go, wrong, Larry, wrong, you know. <laughs> Just say, okay, well, tell me why. Why do you think that? Like, keep the conversation going. And then my second question is, where would you like to be? Well, Larry, one's over here. I mean, I, I want to be over here. And then my third question is, well, what's preventing you from trusting Jesus as your king? And with Larry, Larry was trying to date three different women in three different states, and that was one of these things that we did. And he just wasn't ready to give those up. And so at the end of it, I said, well, Larry, can I just pray for you? Can I pray for these relationships? Can I pray for you? Yeah. Pray for him and you just tell after done praying, just it had some kind of emotional effect on him. But I don't think I know Larry didn't trust Christ that day. So 
Those are the three tools, right? So you got care through prayer, 15 second testimony, three circles. I, I will say this, my, my commercial for three circles is this. I grew up in a lot of the evangelism classes and a lot of, a lot of tools, a lot of great tools. What I love about three circles is that we really help that person think through trusting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I think if we're not careful, we're just advertising Jesus as the Savior piece, right? Like, does anybody want to go to hell? No? Okay, well then trust Jesus. <laughs> but then, the whole like giving him authority over my life now, and making him king of my life now, is what I think a lot of people struggle with, because we didn't really put that in the advertisement. So I just, I, I just like that for that reason, but again, you can do that with a bridge, you can, you can cover that, but just be sure you cover that um, when you're sharing the gospel. So, um, so here's what I would do. What time are we finishing? I don't remember. 4.30. Okay, so here's what I would do is I would stop. So we've been, we would do a gospel conversation workshop past couple Wednesday nights at our church. We would do them on Friday nights. We would say, hey, we're gonna bring in Willie's or Moe's and um, we'll provide a free dinner for you and we'll have free uh, childcare for you. you can bring your kids and we'll watch your kids. Um, just really try to take out as many excuses as possible. And um, so the first time we did, we did do childcare and we got a lot of more mature people, which is great. But we were like, well, we want some young families to be part of this. And maybe that's the thing that's holding back. So, you know, two months later, hey, we're going to do it on Friday night and we're going to offer you free childcare. Here comes the, the young families. Okay. So, figured out that piece. And then just over time, just, just asking how, how can we train and get as many people through this as possible? You know, so just that persistent widow and the judge kind of thing, like, just kind of keep knocking on the doors of leaders and church leaders and staff and deacon chairman and just, you know, hey, could we, could we, could we, could we, you know. And before you know it, we've trained all the deacons. And before you know it, we've trained all of our Sunday Bible study teachers. And before you know it, we're training all of our Sunday Bible studies over two weeks in this. But here's the secret sauce. So on a Wednesday night or on a Friday night, we would say, okay, after the first hour, we, we've trained you in everything you need to know to have a gospel conversation. You've got all the tools, you've practiced them, or you haven't practiced them yet, but you're about to, because we're going to send you out. We, we want you to leave the building. Now I want you to go in twos, maybe threes, but no more than three. And I can tell you where to go. You can go to Target, you can go to Starbucks, you can go to the Avenue shopping area, you can go to... Whole Foods, you can just walk around the park. I want you to pray about it. We're going to pray for you. I'm going to go out as well. And just in the next 40 minutes, just see if you can offer to pray for two different people. Just see what would happen. Just start there. And everybody's eyes get really big. And you'll let a little sweat on top of their upper lip. And, you know, and I will say, you know, don't go all the same place, right? So, Al, if you see Paul in that group and they're walking to Target, you don't go to Target. You go somewhere else, right? Don't be with those weird people just, like, invade the mall, you know, kind of thing. And so just kind of spread out, right? But just see if you can pray for two people. 
Let's see what happens. So we send them out, right? And then they come back. About 99% of them came back. And um, we had one couple that didn't leave at all. I, uh, at least I was like, at least fake like you're going out, you know, kind of thing. But they're like, nope, we're not going. Like, okay, all right, great. That's up to you and God. So, um, so they come back, and then you got 30 minutes at least of some great stories. And some of them are, hey, uh, we asked two people, and they both said no. Okay. We asked some people, and they're like, yeah, we got to pray for two different people. I got to share my testimony. I got to do three circles. I got to do this. I got to do this. And it's just a, it's the moment where the classroom textbook becomes the lab. Like you can study about being a heart surgeon from a textbook all you want, but I want the heart surgeon that's done the lab work, that stood next to the foremost surgeon of the world and learned from that person and has actually done it and practiced it. And you know, if we're not careful at church, we're just, we're really good at the textbook with no practice and no lab work. So and this is the, the lab work. The great thing about that is, is if I go out of your class and I get my feedback loop with two people, one I prayed for, one said no, that night, if there's 30 in the class, I benefit in one night from all 30 of their experiences right. as they're telling. So that yeah. rapidly speeds up the learning That's right. curve. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all encouragement, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you learn about the married couple that was Super, super scared. It's always the husbands that are the most afraid, you know, and they walked into Publix and the husband's like, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this. And, and so they're just walking and praying and walking around Publix. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to go ask the deli, the deli guy. And he walks up to the counter. The deli guy locks eyes with him and he's like, can I help you? And he's like, I like a pound of provolone. <laughs> So we were like, Jeff, did you need cheese? No, I didn't need cheese. Yeah, I didn't need cheese, you know? So now I'm holding literally a pound of cheese in my hand. He's like, you know, this is silly. Actually, I just, I, we, we just want to know if there's anything we can pray for, for you. And they had this great conversation. Another couple, they go into Old Navy, the husband, again, always scared. He gets so scared, he goes into the men's dressing room and just kind of works himself up, you know, kind of thing. And then finally comes out, you know, and then locks eyes with somebody and says, hey, it's Christmas time. I was just wondering if I'm going to pray for you. Yeah. He's great for this. And it's just story after story. And some of them are half stories. Some of them are incomplete stories. But they're stories of regular, ordinary, not superhuman Christians that are just going out and just having a conversation. And it's so encouraging and it's just like, this wasn't scary. And I, it, every time it, we do it, it's like five minutes ago, I would have told you I couldn't do this. But now I just see like, it's just, it's just normal. And that's what you're trying to do. That's what you're trying to help people understand like, hey, I can do this anywhere. And, and, and part of it too is, um, hey, it doesn't need to be a programmed uh, church event in order for me to go and do evangelism. We don't need to all go to the apartment complex. If you do that, that's great. That's fine. We've done that from time to time as well. But what we started realizing is when we do that, people only think about it when they come to that programmed event as opposed to 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, I'm at the bank. 
you know, or I'm jogging through the park, I'm working out with my buddy. And we just want them to see the everyday context that takes place. So they come back, and that's really the secret sauce, is sending them out, send them out, send them out. We, when we did it with our Sunday Bible studies, we just did the training, and we didn't send them out because it was Sunday morning, and you know we can't leave the church, so just gotta, just gotta do the training. And it was just training. It was just training. It's just, I mean, it's no, you're gonna forget about this in two days if you don't go out and put it into practice. Let me just tell you. So if I can, if you can do anything when you go back, is just say, hey, preacher, pastor. Leadership, I've got an idea, but here's what needs to happen. We can't just do the training. We've got to set aside some time to go do it. So here's what we did last Wednesday night. It's a two-hour block. It's not as long. So I did the training in an hour. And then uh, I was going to send them out, but it was like lightning and thunderstorms. And I didn't have that much faith, I guess. And so um, I was like, hey, you know what? Just go through the church hallways. Just, just walk through the atrium, walk through, you know, the different hallways. It's a Wednesday night, so you don't know who's here. So they got into teams of two, and the young guy teamed up with me, and we're just walking through the hallways, and we go down the stairs, and at the bottom of the stairs, in this kind of weird stairwell room, is a little bench before you go into the main hallways, and it's just young mom. They come down, said, hey, don't want to bother you. Um, but we're just walking around, just want to know if we can pray for you. Is there anything we can pray for? And she goes, no, I'm good, thanks. Okay, great. So I'm literally halfway out the door. She goes, oh, wait a minute, I thought of something. Like, okay. So you can pray for my friend, her husband's in ICU, and pretty serious. Okay. What's your name? Renee. All right. Let's pray for you, Renee. Pray for your friends. So you pray for them. And then if we get done... So, Renee, you know, one of the reasons we like praying for people is because there was a time in my life when... Do you have a story like that? No? Okay. Well, could I draw something for you that kind of makes sense of my faith? Sure. Draw three circles. Renee, where do you see yourself? Uh, I'm in brokenness. Why do you say that? Just trust me, I'm in brokenness. Okay, all right. Where would you like to be? Well, obviously, I want to be right here. Well, Renee, what's preventing you from trusting Jesus as your king right now? Nothing. Well, would you like to pray to trust Jesus as your king right now? Yeah. Okay, well, we're just going to pray this picture. We're just going to pray, Renee, you can just pray, God, thank you so much for creating God, thank you so much for creating I know that I've run from you. I know that I've sinned my life. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm brokenness. I want to trust you and turn to you and make Jesus my king. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and covering up something I couldn't do on my own. I know I'm new in you. In Jesus' name, amen. In the church building on Wednesday night. Now I'm thinking it the whole time, but I waited until the end. And I said, Renee, what are you doing here? <laughs> She's like, I got a kid in RA and another kid in choir. Okay. We're going to get to the second half of that story in a little bit. So, that's the what, all right? So then, they come back. And when they come back, 
like Scott said, man, they're energized. They're like, man, that's not scary. Woo! Yes, Jesus. We got the air conditioner, I think. So, uh, right uh, on the other side is question number three. What's question three? That's right. So I want you to write your name in the middle of that page. Right? There's an exclamation point on that, right? If I got struck, y'all would not be doing this training. Alright, so write your name, and then I want you to think about just some people in your life that are far from God. So I've got a neighbor, they could be neighbors. I've got a Dave, I've got a David, I've got a Joel. Maybe it's co-workers. Yes, even at church. Maybe it's family members. Think about um, kind of normal rhythms of your everyday week. Um, I've been known to walk into a gym from time to time. There's a guy named Josh. You know, where, where are the places? People, places? Movies a lot. Restaurants. Uh, our kids are involved in everything. Sports, sports teams, team parents, dance recitals. My daughter was in a the middle school play, um, Mary Poppins. And just as I'm getting dressed, getting ready to go watch her, just thought, Lord, I, I just want to pray for a gospel conversation at the middle school play. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know how that happens, but I just want to pray for that. So we go to the play and sitting there watching the first half, that intermission, this guy that have a pretty good relationship with, walks up, haven't seen him in a while. We're just talking, his kids in the play as well, talking about their kids, what a great job they're doing, yeah, yeah, surface talk, surface talk. He's like, hey, didn't you tell me you were going to North Africa uh, a couple of months ago for a mission trip or something like that? I'm like, yeah. So like, what do you do on those things? Oh, well, let me tell you. And I'm telling him about it, and I'm describing it, and then I, it's like halfway through, I'm listening, or I just realized, I'm having a gospel conversation, you know? And I just, I'm just telling you. So, this is called an, uh, an oikos map, which is just Greek for great yogurt. Yeah. Uh, but it's also, it means family, or your sphere of influence. So who are the people in your life that we can be praying for, that you can be praying for on a regular basis? It's just a good exercise. Especially after they, after you send them out and they come back, and that initial fear, I don't know if I could talk, and then I was like, oh man, I can talk to anybody. So now I'm thinking, and they're open, and like, oh yeah, I'm in restaurants a lot, I eat, you know, eat lunch every week at the same place, and the same waitress, that knows my favorite, you know, dish. I don't even know her first name. 
you know, the hairdresser lady that cuts my hair. You just start seeing people. So I encourage our team, we did this, uh, we did this with our staff the other day, just like getting off a refresher. And said, hey, just take, take a picture of this and just make this the background of your phone. Right? Just keep that in front of your, stick it on the mirror. Um, and what's been fun is to remove names. So I had my uncle Carl on here for a long time. And uh, Carl lives down in Orlando and just, I really just wasn't sure where he was in his faith. And just praying about that, but I live in Atlanta, he lives in Orlando, didn't want to do it over the phone. And it worked out for us to be at the same place over Christmas holidays last Christmas. And just while we're sitting around eating dessert and whatnot, watching football games, just said, hey, can I, can, uh, can I show you something we've been working on at work? Yeah. Walking through three circles. You know, where do you see yourself? That kind of thing. And just... And I feel like he has a relationship with Jesus. It's a pretty lousy one, but I think he's got a, a relationship with Jesus. And able to talk about the Lord and Savior piece. Like, hey, I know you trusted Jesus as your Savior, but I'm not seeing any fruit or evidence of a lordship in your day-to-day -day life. You know, just talk through that. Anyways, all right. And then lastly, last question is when? And this is... If sending them out is number one important thing in the secret sauce, this is number two important thing. So when, and really it's just accountability. So encourage your folks, you know, could you set aside a time to, to be praying about gospel conversations? So I just set on my phone an alarm to go off at 10.02 a.m. every day just to remind me to pray about gospel conversations. Sometimes I might be in a meeting Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm talking about something else, and sometimes I'm not. But it's just a, a great little way to be in constant prayer about it. And then who could you share this with? You have friends. You have other uh, minister friends that are other, maybe at other churches. You're like, hey, let's just grab lunch. I'm going to show you something that we've been doing. Um Showed a buddy of mine, and again, you could do what I did with you guys in probably 20, 30 minutes, just one-on-one, -on -one, right? So it's taking a little bit longer because of a bigger group, but I just grabbed lunch with some guys and just grab a piece of paper or a napkin and draw a napkin while we're, you know, eating hot dogs and just hanging out. And did it with one guy, he called me back the next day, and big hunter guy who likes to wear camo, and... Uh, he calls me back and texts me. He's like, yeah, you won't believe what happened. I was in the tax and tag office this morning, and I overheard the lady that works behind the counter. She's in Haiti, and, or her, her family's in Haiti, and there's a hurricane, and they can't reach them, and she's really, really worried about it. So I thought, well, maybe this is who I'm supposed to pray for. And so then I'm worried, like, I'm in that little line carousel. So I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to get her number. So I start praying, Lord, give me her number. And sure enough, I get to her, you know, carousel. And then she helps me with my license plate. And I said, hey, I didn't want to eavesdrop, but I overheard, you know, about your family in Haiti, and could I just pray for, for you and your family? And she said, yes, yes, yes. And she stuck her hand through the little half window, you know, thing. And I grabbed her hand, and I started praying for her, and she started crying. 
And then I started crying, and then everybody's crying, and the tag's in tag. And we're kind of laughing, you know? And then he just paused, and he said, Lee, that's the most exciting bit about my faith in years. Because it's real all of a sudden. It's not a sermon anymore. And we can help our people do that. So who could you share that with? And then lastly, train. Who could you go to? You have a Sunday school class. You have a men's group or a women's group or a kids group or a student ministry or whatever. And just say, hey, instead of next week's Ephesians talk, can I just come in and train everybody in gospel conversations? And the more and the more and the more and the more you do it, the more. And then lastly, is accountability. This is accountability. Keep asking. Don't make this a one-stop shop. So my boss, every week in our staff meeting, before we get to the staff meeting, he starts off by asking, has anybody had any gospel conversations they want to share? Sometimes I share, sometimes I don't. Sometimes he shares, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes it's half a story, sometimes it's no story. But I know every week he's asking that question. And every week that holds me accountable. And if we don't start asking that question and expect that of our people, they won't be looking for it. All right, I think I went one minute over. I apologize, but I'll take into consideration the lightning strike, so. <laughs> Any questions? Um, so here on your way out, I've got some three circle stickers that uh, our kids love to put on their water bottles and all that kind of stuff. And um, that was a great tool. This is a completed version of what you did today that you can take home on our um, website. Our church website is johnsonferry.org. And we've got all these things you can print out. So johnsonferry.org. You can print out um, this completed 411. And then, um, this is probably a whole other breakout session, but, but what if I, I share my faith with somebody and they say yes? So Renee, last Wednesday night, she said yes to Jesus. Now what? So I just giving her all attaboy, and well, good luck, Renee, I'm gonna pray for you, and sure hope you get connected. Sometimes the, the answer is, well, we hope, we hope she gets connected into a Sunday Bible study, or to a small group, or to whatever, and that may happen. But in between that time and it may happen, we often kind of lose that person who we're asking to make a dramatic lifestyle change. So this is a document that we've, again, taken from other ministries, tweaked it. If you're familiar with Commands of Christ, this looks oddly familiar. Um, but these, we had a young guy, a young professional, graduate college, and he's like, hey, I just want to grow my faith. And if I'm honest, I haven't been serious about it in a long time. <coughs> so I said, hey, Bradley, what if you and I just met over coffee or Chick-fil-A or whatever once a week? And we just looked at one of these things a week. And these are just these are just Jesus stories. There's a scripture and a passage that goes with it. 
But if we want to be more and more like Jesus, we probably should know what's important to Jesus. And so each of these eight things are <clears throat> a teaching. And really, you kind of, after eight weeks of spending time with Bradley, <clears throat> I have a better idea where he is in his spiritual walk. He's got a better foundation for what it means to follow Jesus. And the idea is each idea, <clears throat> we just go through the same set of questions each week. You know? So the first one is turn and trust. The story of Zacchaeus. And what do we learn about God in this story? What do we learn about Jesus? What do we learn about people? What do we learn about man? How does this story make you feel? How do you think the characters felt? Is there a sin to avoid or a promise to claim or example to follow? Or what's our takeaway? And then, hey, Bradley, just in your own words, I'd love for you to just try and retell me that story that we just read without looking. And I'm just telling you, if we're not ready to do something in helping our people grow in discipleship, we're not ready. So I can get into whole stewardship talk about being a good steward of our resources, but so if you have if you don't have if you've got something great that you can plug somebody into that's a new believer, great. If not, this is also on that website as well. So it's on our uh, global page, Gospel Conversations. It'll take it. You can print this out, and then we've got videos of how to train you and just remind you how to do all these things that we showed you today. So my contact information on there. Feel free to call me. Love to help. It's taking up a lot of time. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Three circles. Is there an app? There is an app. That's right. I would. If I'm coaching you, I would prefer you not to use the app. Nothing wrong with the app. It's just, I want you to, some, I, I found more people kind of lean on the app and not have it in their head. And then they don't know what to say next if the battery goes dead and that kind of thing. So, but yeah, it's a great tool to practice with and just remind you and that kind of thing. But when I'm doing it, just get a piece of paper if you can. So many people want to keep the paper. Yeah, well, that's what I did with Renee. So you keep this. I want to give you some contact information, get her information, get our some of our women in ministry connected with her, and they're trying to follow up with her right now and all that kind of stuff. So it's good. Let me pray for us. I'll stick around. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us each day to be on mission with you and partner with you in ministry. Lord, you are the one that changes hearts and saves us from eternal separation from you. But for whatever reason, you want us to be a part of the, the laboring and the harvesting. And Luke 10.2 tells us that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray for more laborers, and that's what we're doing. Lord, Lord help us to pray for more laborers, and then help us to encourage and equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Help us to come alongside these folks and partner with them and model for them. May we live this out in our own lives. May it be just a natural part of our conversation or our sermons each week. When we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, buddy.